Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. will listen to on the podcast um, something that's going to be uh, starting next week we figured it would be better next week we know a lot of people uh, today are out a lot of people are, are with family um, that are here from out of town and, and we just wanted to be sensitive to that so next week something amazing is going to take place uh, we're starting a new series it's a short series but it's going to be a powerful series I, I believe it's a it's a it's a it's a bunch of words that really God has put in our hearts here for a while already and um, I know God is going to visit us in a special way. The series is called Shift. We've already started to play with that word, Shift uh, 2017, Shift. And, and we're going to not necessarily play around with that word, but behind that shift, there's three A's that we're going to be discussing for the next three weeks. And we're going to talk about attitude. We're going to be uh, talking about atmosphere. And we're going to talk about anointing. We're going to talk about shift in our attitude, a shift in the atmosphere, and a shift in his anointing. And um, we, we know that it's going to bring uh, forth great growth in our lives. So uh, I encourage you to, to go ahead and, and, and make plans to be here, especially the next three weeks. Invite people. It's going to be a special moment um, as we jump into that series. So, so get ready for it. We start next Sunday back. We're back at 10 a.m. Um, next Sunday. So, so keep that in mind. No more night services. How many of you guys enjoy the night services a little bit? Yeah, one of you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that? Any, everyone else like 10 o'clock? Yeah, the rest of you guys? All right. How many of you are grateful that you got to try it at least or got to sleep in today? All right. How many, how many of you tried but it didn't work? Nobody? All right. But, um, but uh, it, it's, it's been fun. But to, next week we go back to our 10 o'clock. So, so don't, don't uh, not show up because you show up at 7. That's not going to be good for you. So, so we'll see you at, at 10 a.m. If you're taking notes, uh, let's go ahead and let's begin to get ready to, uh, to write notes and, and get into the Word of God. I want to share something that the Lord didn't put in my heart this week. Uh, but the Lord has been putting, if you've been here, you've been listening to me preach this for a while. But the Lord has been putting this in my heart for, for months now, maybe even for a year. And, and it deals with servanthood. And we're, we're going to get into that. But if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. The message today is titled, Let's Be Great. Let's be great. Look at that person next to you and tell them, let's be great. Yeah, yeah. You want me to start screaming, let's be great. <laughs> Wake y'all, y'all up. But um, who, who, who doesn't want to be uh, great? You know, I don't want to be great today. just kind of want to suck today. <laughs> what? Why would you want that, you know? Um, nah, I don't want to be great today. I, I just want everything today. Lord, Lord everything just to be horrible. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. So I, I want to do a little experiment with you guys. Not really, just a little something. If you, if you have a phone, to go ahead and take out your phone. Or if you do have a pad and, and paper, I'll, I'll let you use that. You could use your, your pad and your paper if you write notes. But for all of you that do not write notes on a pad or paper, go ahead and take out your phone. Most of you guys use uh, notes on your phone. You guys all know what notes is. It's that little app that's, that's already inside the iPhone. Go ahead and, and open up your notes page. And I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to go ahead and answer this. Go ahead and start answering this question. As you take out your phones, here's the question. My question to you is, how do you define greatness? So go ahead on that phone or on your pad, 
I'm going to take a sip of water and defined greatness. Go ahead and do that for me. How do you define greatness? Some of you guys are really thinking, huh? This is a trick question. It's not just define greatness. It's not a trick question. Just define it. How do you define greatness? Greatness, greatness. Anyone finished? Anyone need some more time? All right, greatness. Hey, hold on to that for a moment, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some of you guys to, to shoot them forward. I want to hear your answers. Do you mind sharing with me your answers? Okay? I, want, I want you to so be, be ready to scream them out. As we get into this message, let's be great. I started to think about 2016. And uh, 2016 was, was probably one of the most interesting, and, and at least for me personally and even for a church, most important years uh, for this ministry, for our church, and even in my life. It was really a year of hardships. Um, it was a year of trying times. Anyone had some hardships and trying times this year? But it was also a year of great heights, a year of, of a faith to be stretched, a year of, of, of some achievements, man, that we will always hold in our hearts forever. How many of you can testify of that? Amen. You know, the last quarter of this year that just passed, the Lord was consistently speaking the same word. I don't know if you guys remember it. But we were constantly sharing the same word and the same word. And, and God was just really saturating us in this word. And it was home. Home is where his presence is. And we really rode that wave. And we're still riding that wave. I think of, for many of us, we just jumped off, maybe jumped off the surfboard. Like, get back on it and keep riding the wave. That home is where his presence is. If you've been in the presence of God, you've recognized that in the presence of God, it's probably the the place where you have been the most satisfied and the fullest at. And today, if you feel empty, it's probably because you've walked away from the presence of God in your life. Anyone? I'm, you don't want to probably say amen. I'm not going to say amen because then you know it's me. <laughs> that would be bad. But it's the truth. We went through a series called POP, P-O-P, not O-P-P, P-O-P. And, and we said... Preparation, we spoke on offering, and we spoke about presence. And, you know, however you feel about these New Year resolutions, I'm, I'm not a fan of New Year resolutions, I guess because I, I never keep them, but many people do New Year's. How many of you do New Year's resolutions? Congratulations. Anyone in here? Congratulations. Anyone else? You guys are scared to raise your hands. Congratulations. How many of you three keep them? Right? You keep them all the way through. Amen. Good. Set goals. Meet those goals, right? Conquer them, man. And um, sometimes these resolutions, though, however you look at them and however you feel about New Year's resolutions, that's fine. It's good. But make sure, make sure of this in your life, uh, that it's a resolution that is not forgotten after a month's time. But always make sure of this, man, that we will live with a heart or with an altar that is always prepared. We've talked about this. That our lives will be always a sacrificial offering to him. And that we would constantly long for the presence of Christ that is for us. Amen? That our boasting would be about the depth of presence that we are encountering in Christ. That that would be what our boasting is about. So many people boast about so many things. But talk to me about the presence of God in your life. And that would be what we boast about. That would be what's evident in our lives. 
And that's what we were talking about a lot and speaking of and teaching a lot last year. You know, people know, people know when you're in the presence. You know that, right? And people know when you're not in the presence. You know when you're not in the presence. You wake up with a hard heart. You're agitated. You're just meaner. You're grouchier. People just tick you off more. Come on, I, I feel like I'm speaking to myself. I know that, that you've been outside of the presence of God and you felt those things. But when you're in the presence of God, someone ticks you off. Like, I love you. Like, what? Why are you always saying that? Because I'm just, it's something weird that happens to people in the presence of God. So someone messes with you and you're like, I'm going to buy you lunch today. And you're like, what? I just said something mean to you. And it's so interesting because you recognize it and people recognize it when you're not in the presence of God. And things stop dying in our lives. And things stop becoming alive again in our lives. You know, this is a great question to ask someone just when you're having a cup of coffee with them. Ready? When you're having a little muffin with them or something like that. Just, just look at them in the eyes and say, tell me what's died in your life recently. You know, when they say they're Christians and they're all basking and they're boasting. Just say, and, and tell me what's, what God's made alive in your life lately. Because if they're able to answer that, that something has died and something has become alive again, it's because they're, experienced the, they're experiencing the presence of God currently in their lives. Ask someone that. Ask yourself that every single day. What's dying in my life and what's becoming alive in my life? Because that's what the presence of God is and does. Man, that the testimony, that the radiance, that the glory of being in his presence, that it would always be evident, that it would, that it would not get to a point that it's no longer evident in our lives. So, so as we get ready to start off this new year, first day of the new year, perfect day to have a very powerful yet truthful word. Here is the greatest thing that you could do for yourself to start off the new year. It's to humbly evaluate ourselves and to live as people of God's presence. How are we doing with that? Hey, have you guys finished answering the question? No, you still need more time. I'll keep talking until you finish answering it. All right, define greatness for me. Let's keep talking. Listen, guys, in his presence, the Lord has what you need. Write that down. He has greatness for you in his presence. And let this be a year that is great. Let 2017 be a great year, a year of greatness. How many of you could say amen? Now, greatness, as you've done your little assignment here, can be defined in so many ways. So many ways. Before I give you some examples of, of, of what people have said about greatness, go ahead. Let, let me hear some of you guys and, and, and what is greatness? How do you define greatness in your life? Anyone want to go ahead and, and, and be bold and, and just share some of the things? Mando. Complete sweet. Complete. Greatness is to be complete in life. All right. Anyone else? God is greatness. Good. Greatness. Love, humility, godliness, and service. That's good. Just met my boy Benji today. Good. It's awesome. Anyone else? Angel in the back. We see you back there. It's beautiful. Anyone else? Mercy. Doing Jesus' will, that's good. Yeah, it's good. Awesome. 
all these different things. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that yours are wrong and, and, and that person's is right and yours is wrong. You can define greatness all you want. But we're going to look at scripture today. And the beauty of Christ is he defines what greatness is for us. So we don't have to, know, we don't have to like look for it. And like, how can I be great? I have the answer for you. It's in the Bible. And we're going to look at it today. And people define greatness like you just did in so many ways. You know, so, some of you guys did really good, but you'll be amazed how many people say, well, it's how much money you make in life when you finally get there with money. People, you'll be amazed. People have said that. Yeah, it's finally when I'm able to support and, and, and be well off. Some people will say it's moving up the corporate ladder. It's about position. Once I reach that position, then I've made it. I'm, I'm, that's where greatness is at. Greatness is having a family, someone said. That's what greatness, that's where my greatness is at, they said. Greatness means being happy, as simple as that. Other people even said greatness is about having power. That person was on a trip, but hey, everyone has their thing. Greatness is, look at this one. Greatness is about having control. I went to another country for this one. Uh, uh, greatness is about having control uh, and having control. I don't know what, exactly what that means. Some people find, say they find greatness in giving. I heard some people saying that. Some people say, I find greatness in just loving it's very interesting to see the simplicity of how people answer this at times. And then it gets a little complex in others. And it's fine. Everyone defines greatness a certain way. And I want to go ahead and just dig into that. I'll never forget, talking about this one, you know, up the money. I'll never forget, I went to a heat game and I used to have heat tickets. And I was looking down because my seats were up. And the person that I was looking at kind of sat on the floor. And I'll never forget this person, which will remain nameless. But I remember that he would drink out of a cup. And, and he would drink out of it. I'm not sure what it was in the drink. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a soda or anything. I'm just sure he was drinking something. And he was, he was drinking it. I remember I would look at him, and he would do this. And when I would, I was like, that's awkward. And then someone that sat behind him would grab his cup and hold it for him. And this man would just keep watching the game. And I stopped watching the heat game. <laughs> because I was like, that's amazing. Like, never seen that in my life. This is a real, this is a true story. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, wow, when he wanted another drink, he would do this. So the person behind him, I guess it was his slave, he, <laughs> that he paid, he would put the cup back in his hand, and he would put it there, and then he would like nod sometimes and just drink it, take a couple sips, and then go like this again. I was like, man. You know, I tried that home with my wife. It didn't work. <laughs> just playing. If you know Nancy, you know me, I would not try that at home. Husbands, don't do that to your wives, man. I don't know if that guy thought he made it. I don't know if he thought he was great. But I was in the upper level and I saw that and I said, man, that looks dumb, man. Carry your own cup. I, I want to share something with you. You know, we, we went to a third code, and, and, and in our third code in our church, we have seven codes that we go by, and we've been teaching them, and it's we get to give. And I'm going to be echoing one of the last points of we get to give, which is we get to serve. And Jesus de defines a greatness for us. And, and I believe that he defines it not mainly just for us as Christians or as followers of Christ, but I truly believe this, that Jesus defines greatness for all of humanity. For every business man and woman, for every CEO, for every president, prime minister, pastor, for every friend, for every husband, for every wife, for every father, for every mother, for every son, for every daughter, to anyone that is in any kind of relationship with anyone else, Jesus teaches us all how to achieve true greatness. 
And that's what I want to do today. Jesus was speaking at this time. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. If you were here for We Get to Give in our week three of our cold series, you know exactly where I'm going. Mark chapter 10. As we jump into Mark chapter 10, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he's speaking to them about his upcoming death and resurrection. And they're narrowing in on Jerusalem. They're about to get to Jerusalem for what is called the triumphal entry. Guys, Jesus is days away from the cross. Jesus is days away from dying. Jesus is days away just from the worst moment of his life. And as he's speaking to them about death and resurrection and about to enter into Jerusalem, right after he's teaching them this, an amazing conversation takes place between Jesus and two of his disciples. And then he ends up inviting the other ten into the conversation with him. Every time I marry someone, I'm going to officiate someone's um, wedding or marriage, I always go to this passage and I sit with them and I always teach them this passage. There's about four different couples in this church that are getting married like in the next three months. It's crazy. And, and I always go through Mark chapter 10 with them. This is why. Listen to what happens and, and what goes on here with Jesus in this conversation with his disciples. Someone say, read it. All right, go ahead and read it. Verse 35. You with me? Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and they spoke to him. And they said, teacher, we want you to do us a favor. And Jesus asked, well, what's, what's your request? And they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want you to sit in the place of honor next to you. That's where we want to sit, right next to you. One on your right and my brother over here on your left. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized with? Verse 39, oh yes. They replied, we are able. We're able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. 40. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. And when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together. And here it is, guys. Here it is. You know that the rulers, he says, in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you... It will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even I, he says, the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. One translation says the ending this way. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Did you hear that? Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. But whoever wants to be first among you, they must first be your slave. And that's what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And then, in the process of me serving, he says, it's to give away my life in exchange for many who are actually held hostage. 
Hey, you want to be great? Yes, Lord. We want to sit at your right and at your left. Heck yeah. Awesome. Let me give you a little lesson of what greatness is. And this is what, take out your phones. I'm going to ask you a question. How do you define greatness? Well, I'm going to sit in your right. Well, I'm going to sit in your left. Well, I'm going to, this is what you're going to do. You want to be great? Learn how to be a slave first. Huh? Yeah, learn how to be a servant first. You, you, you want to be first. I do. I've always, that always told me if you're not in first place, second place is, is, is the first place to last place. Like if you're not in first, you're a loser. So yes, I always want to be in first place. Then, then I'm, well, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up with dad always taught you. And I'm going to mess up what you've learned in little league. I'm telling you today that the way to first place is actually, actually being last. That the last in my kingdom will be first. And the first, the ones that think they got it all together, the ones that really feel like, oh, yeah, I've made it. I'm here. Get some of my cup and hold it because I don't want to hold. You'll be amazed that the ones that you think should be here, they'll be last. I always tell people that are close to me, I I believe this with all my heart. I I believe that when we walk into heaven, you and I are going to be amazed of the people that are in heaven that we thought were going to be there and amazed of the people who are in hell that we thought were going to be in heaven. Why? Because the first will be last and the last will be first. I feel like preaching now. I I believe that. I, I truly believe that. And Jesus is going to define greatness to his disciples. I I really want you to recognize this. The Lord never rebukes the disciples' desires to be great. Did you catch that? How dare you ask me to be, I rebuke you in my, like he didn't do that. He's done it before. He's told Peter before, get behind me, Satan. But not this time. He didn't tell James and John. He does not rebuke the disciples' desire to be great. Instead, Listen to me. He realigns it. Instead of rebuking the disciples' desire to be great, he changes their focus onto what true greatness really is. He was blessed to hear that they wanted to be great. He just needed to tweak up their focus and what they thought would make them great. I don't know what you wrote down. Some of you guys did not share what you wrote down. And I think I know why. (laughs) Because maybe it's wrong. And that's okay. Because let me tell you something. How many of you want to be great? I titled this message, Let's Be Great. So I'm hoping all of us here want to be great in life. How many of you want to be great? All right, almost all of you. The rest of you guys, we're going to pray for you. Come. Come up to the altar. We'll pray over you. But if you want to be great, if you want to be great, do you know I think God smiles at you and says, good. Because so do I. I want you to be great. Hey, do you serve a great God? So what, you think he wants some, like, some sorry servants? Some sorry followers? If we have a great God, he wants some great followers. If we have a great God, he, want, he wants some great Christians right behind him. Yeah, I'm here. Like, you know, God, things just, no, no. How many of us want to be great? And God looks at us and says, good. Who do you think gave you that desire to want to be great? The Lord never rebukes them for the desire to be great. Instead, he realigns it. He refocuses on what true greatness is. And I really want to catch this today, that, that there is an anointing, that there is a special glory in the position of servant. The, the, 
the real word that is used there is, is an actual word of slave. He uses it on the next part of the verse. It should be a slave above all. The word for servant in that verse is actually the word slave. And when you look at this passage, I truly believe this, that there is a special glory, that there is an anointing in a position called servant. You know, I love when testimonies are shared and are given. I've shared this with some of you. And have you ever noticed who is the one that gets the notoriety? Who is the one that is always in recognition? Have you always noticed it's the one that has always served, not the one who's wanted to be served? Uh, you know what was blessed about the other day when we had our, 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 our anniversary service here? There were a few people that were mentioned constantly. Every person's mouth, they were mentioned the same pe person or the same two people. And I sat back at home later on and I said, why were those people always mentioned? Huh, none of them mentioned me. I met with those people, and I've pastored those people, and I've counseled some of those people. I've married some of those people. I've been there for hours for some of those people. Now one of them said, I'm so grateful for Pastor Rigo. <laughs> God, why didn't one of them mention me? But I started to sit back, and I said, oh, my God, I get it now. Those people that they mentioned, there's about two of them. They kept mentioning them and mentioning them and mentioning them. One person came up. It was almost like it was scripted. Hey, make sure you mention this person's name. And they mentioned them and they mentioned them and they mentioned them. And then it hit me when I got home. The reason why those people were mentioned is because those people took on the position of slave, of servant. And they met them in a place of need. And when they needed it the most, and they were their servants. They didn't sit in church saying, hey, welcome. Come and now serve me. They came to church. They met you. And they said how can I now serve you see many people come to church and say church amen you could give God some praise that many people come to church and say church come and serve me how about if the attitude should really be we walk into church and say how can I serve you because here I am as the pastor of this church and I'm never called to be served my first calling in life is to first serve you is that why I'm the pastor serve me? Can't drink my, you know. I've seen these pastors that they walk up the podium and the people put their Bible, carry your own Bible and, do, and carry your own water. Like, you don't need to serve me. The first thing in our own lives is I'm going to serve you. We need to serve each other. I've got this. I've understood this. And I got it. When they kept saying those names, those names, oh, I get it. Because those people have taken the position of slave in their lives at some point. At some point, they've recognized that. At some point, they, they said, man, if it wasn't for so-and-so, I don't know where I'd be. So I sat back in my house thinking about those testimonies and many other testimonies that I've heard. And I thought about this. I said, man, there is an anointing in the position of serve. There is an anointing in the position of servant. Matthew Henry says this, worldly honor is a glittering thing with which the eyes of Christ own disciples have many a time been dazzled whereas to be good should be more our care than to look great you read this and and i get this because the christianity that many people today are confessing is one based on self well i'll go over there if my needs are met and I'll give more of myself if more is given to me. And on and on and on, people are saying things. But church, as we start off this new year, here it is. 
the faith that I read in God's word, the faith that I read in the scriptures is one based on giving of oneself. It's one that is based on being transformed in the grace of serving others rather than on one being served. True Christianity, the way that the Lord has formed us, is that there's a greater joy to live a life of servanthood rather than a life of master and being served. Church, if, if life is all about what we can receive, listen to this. You know that you'll never be fully satisfied. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, we will experience the abundant life that is found in being a slave to others. We must recognize this, and you can write this in your notes. It's such a cliche thing, but I'm going to say it. We must recognize this, that if we are too big to serve, we then are too small to lead. And I want to encourage us this year, a powerful encouragement of let's be great. Let's be great. Well, yes, we want to be great. Awesome. Here it is. Ready? Jesus defines it for us. Flow in the grace of servanthood. Hey, you want to have a, an amazing 2017? Yeah, good. Be a servant. Whoa. Hey, you want to have an amazing encounter with that spouse of yours? Yeah. You want to win her heart? Yeah. You want to win his heart? Yeah. What do I got to do? Tell me already. I need counseling. Begin to serve, slave unto them. Hey, you, hey, you want to mend some friendships in your life with your family members, with some friends in your lives? and You want to mend some relationships in your lives? Yes, absolutely. What do I have to do? Let's start counseling services. When, when can we start? Here it is. Ready? Start serving them. Become a slave unto them. Serve them. I want to be great this year. How do I do it? Here it is. Here's the answer. Ready? Take the position of slave rather than of master. Why? Why should I do this? Because when you take the position of servant, of slave, guess what? Others are blessed by your giving. More, the more you serve, the more you serve others, the more you're blessing others. Your name will be spoken about in eternity. Your name will be spoken about in testimonies. Because that's what our calling is, that I want to be great. God says, good, because I definitely want the same thing for you. So here's how we start. Ready? Start learning how to serve people. How, how do I do that? Just serve them. Watch this. Everyone in this room today has a need. Everyone in this room is aching. I spoke to at least five people today. I'm not even lying to you. This is five people at least today in, before the service started. How are you doing? Every single person. I said, ah, I'm not doing good. You know what they're saying, right? I need someone to serve me. So when you say, how can I be used? How, how can God use me? Oh, walk around. Talk to some of us. And there's always a need. There's always a person that needs your servanthood. There's always someone that you could bless. Just a hug, just an I love you, just a let's go eat lunch, let's, let's talk and let's pray, let's fast, let's, what do you need? You'll be amazed. When you take the position of slave rather than master, others receive more from you. Amen? We studied in our fifth code. We leave the nest and we looked at the passage in Matthew 25. Remember that when Jesus separated the goats from the sheep? I don't know if you remember that. And he said, you know, you saw me naked. You saw me in prison. You never visited me. You never clothed me. I was hungry. You never gave me food. Remember that? And the goats were like, 
well, when did we ever see you? Well, when you saw each one of them, you never gave to me. And as you do unto them, you do it to me and all that. And they're like, oh, man. And they kind of got thrown to hell. And then, then, <laughs> and then there was the sheep. Sorry, that's true. Sorry. And then there was the sheep. And the sheep, like, all right, guys, come here. I want to talk to you. And they put them on to the right. And he said, I want to talk to you now. And he says, check this out. You know, I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick. And you came and cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And he's like, well, when did we do that? Every time you did it to, for one of them, you did it unto me. And they're like, awesome. He's like, welcome. Enter to the kingdom of God. Amazing. I love what John Wesley says. Listen to this. One of the principal rules of religion is to lose no occasion, occasion of serving God. And since he is invisible to our eyes, we are to serve him in our neighbor, which he receives as if done to himself in person, standing visibly before us. You know what freaks me out? One day I get to heaven and he says, Regal, how are you, son? Jesus. Fall on my knees. I'm stuttering. And he looks at me. And one of my greatest fears, right? I was naked. And you never clothed me. I, I was hungry. And you never fed me. I was in prison. And you never visited me. And here I am on my knees and I'm able, finally able to say the words out of my mouth, when, Lord, did I ever see you naked? And when, Lord, did I ever see you in prison? And when, Lord, did I ever see you hungry? And the Lord says, with each one of my creations that I put it before you, you lacked in giving to them. And as you did it to them, you failed to do it unto me. I fear that. I fear that. I recognize that. Every person that we come across is probably a person of need that Christ wants us to reach. Can I get an amen? And I believe 2017 could be an amazing year in this church. You want to know how I believe it? If we start by what? Learning and falling into the, and flowing into the grace called servant. Into the grace called, the position called slave. And recognizing, hey, if I can serve you, then your needs will be met. And if you can have the same attitude towards me, then my needs are going to be met. And we, in our relationship, are going to be all right. They're going to be okay. I love what the author of Hebrews, in chapter 6, as he writes to the churches. You know what he tells to the churches in verses 10 through 12? Listen to this. He says, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard. Look what he tells the churches, the author of Hebrews. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Verse 12, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent, that you do not become, another translation says, sluggish. Isn't that amazing? Did you catch that? Hey, you become sluggish in life? Awesome. That's probably because you stopped serving someone. Hey, you become dull in your life? Yeah, I'm dull. You know, I used to be this, man, and I used to do that, and I used to lead these kind of studies, and I used to preach this often, and I used to go around the streets, and, I, and then I'm like, so what happened? Why'd you stop? Because it's not a position in a church. It's a position of servant. And when we stop taking the position of servant, we become sluggish. When we stop taking the, the position of slave, we become lazy. There's always something to do. And trust me, you might not even find it in these four walls. But there's so much to do outside of these walls that people need of you. And it starts with having a heart, an attitude, 
And I truly believe this, an anointing, an anointing to serve. He says in verse 12, you become sluggish. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Instead, do that, man. Uh, you know, a passage in Scripture that I, I mention a lot, but that's always wowed me, speaking about servanthood, is Jesus washing people's feet. How, how well do you guys know me? Hopefully you know me well enough. Like, I ain't touching no one's toes. That's weird, man. And Jesus, like, let's really, like, let's really talk now. Let's have a conversation. And if you want to talk back, let's, let's just do that. Let's dialogue. That's odd to me that Jesus is washing these men's feet. It's odd. Let me tell you the kind of person I am before we, we get into this. My wife loves massages. How many of you love massages? Like you like to go to a massage place, right? How many, how many of you could share this feeling with me? I can't stand massages. Anyone in here? Good. I need a massage after a massage. I'm so tense in massages. When they touch me, I'm like, Ugh! and they're like, I don't understand. It's so relaxing. I'm like, no, it's not. No one should be touching me. Like, that's weird. Nonetheless, your feet. No, I, you know, I, I, if I ever take a massage, it's because I'm doing my wife a favor. And I'm doing this. If I ever, ever, you know, you put you in that little thing where your face is on the thing. I'm pressing on that thing like this. Oh, God, I can't wait for this to be end already. When it ends, I look at my wife and sometimes she's passed out. I'm like, Shh. And she looks at me. I'm looking at her. I'm like, are we done? I can't stand them. Amen. And here's Jesus. And he's washing, massaging these men's feet. He's washing the disciples' feet in, in the book of John, chapter 13. So awkward. Because when you, when you really learn the culture and the time of Jesus, when you wash people's feet, it was considered to be a task that was reserved for non-Jewish slaves. Did you catch that word? People that washed feet were slaves. Last thing I heard is that Jesus sits on a throne. Forget the throne, ready? Last thing I heard was that he was the son of David. Yes or no? But instead he took the role of washing 12 men's feet. It's weird. It's awkward. It doesn't make sense to the human mind. It doesn't make sense to the original person. Trust me, Herod the king at that time, no. Trust me when I say this. He didn't wash anyone's feet. Trust me. He walked in and people were just massaging him and rubbing him. And he would lay down and they would wa wash his feet for him. I'm sure he never even bathed himself. I'm telling you that here is Jesus who not even is just a king on land. He is actually the one that the Bible says that everything was made by him, for him, and through him. He is the creator of all things. That through him, the word of God, everything that was made was made. And yet the creator of all things is washing the feet of his very own dirty, nasty, sinful creation. Despicable creation. And he's washing their feet. Thank God I'm not Jesus. I'd be like, suckers, all of you wash my feet. Because I'm about to die in a couple hours. And the least thing that you could do for me is not, is not ask me, I'm sorry for screaming so much, but is not ask me to sit on my right or on my left. The least that you should do for me is get on your knees and wash my feet. And you're asking me to sit on my right and on my left. 
Because I'm Jesus. Did you not hear when I walked and John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Did you not hear John the Baptist say that? Did you not hear when we walked through the village that there was a blind man? And I saw you, Peter. I saw you, James. You told him to shut up. And you told him more than once. You said, shut up, shut up, shut up. He's going to hear you. And the blind man was sitting there and he was shaking his coins. And he said this, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. He was blind and he saw better than some of you did. Did you not see that? And yet you have the audacity to come to me and ask me to sit on my right and on my left. What you should be doing is you should wash my feet. But Jesus doesn't do that. He washes their feet anyways. He doesn't say a word. He takes off their sandals. He takes out his bucket Listen to me. I'm a germaphobe. You drink out of my cup, I'm not drinking from that cup again. He takes off his very own cloak. And he uses that as the instrument to wash their feet. I don't get it. It's in a culture... Where people walk long distances on, on dusty roads in sandals. And it was custom for the host to arrange water in every household so that the slaves in that house could wash the feet of the guest. Did you catch me? So Jesus comes up to Simon Peter in verse 6. And Simon Peter, because he always knows what to say, says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Are you really going to do this? And Jesus says, you don't understand now what I'm doing. But someday you're going to understand. Come on, man. How many of you never understood the death on the cross? But now, now you understand. Come on. How many of you, how many of you never understood the washing of the feet? But now you understand what Jesus washing man's feet is all about. Come on, man. How many of you have been lost in the presence of God and you said, who is man that you are thoughtful of him? You don't understand. But someday, Peter, you will understand. Remember this day. I love God moments. I always use them to teach people things. I'll send out a text. I'll give a little wink. I'll say... Remember this day for the rest of your life. God moments are amazing. This was a God moment. This is a moment where God gave Peter a present and said, one day you're going to remember this day. And this day is going to rock your life forever. It might seem so stupid and so silly and so foolish and very nasty. But it's going to change the way you live forever. So later on in the story, verses 12 through 17, after washing the feet, he puts on his robe again and he sits down and he's about to teach them something. Look what he says. Don't miss this, guys. He says, do you understand what I was doing? You know, all of them are like, no. Judas was there, by the way. Have I mentioned that Judas was there? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right. I am teacher and I am Lord. Because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord, and your teacher have washed your feet, come on, come on, don't miss this. You ought now to wash each other's feet. <laughs> 
Huh? Huh? What? Jesus? Wash what's what do you mean? Yeah, if I'm your teacher and I'm your Lord and I've done this for you, you better make sure and you understand that you ought to wash each other's feet. Verse 15 says, I've given you an example to follow here. Peter, you don't understand this right now, but one day you're going to get this, man. Someday you're going to get it. I've given you an example, verse 15, to follow. He says, do as I have done to you. I, I tell you the truth. Listen to this, church. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I read this passage and I, I look at this and I say, oh my goodness, I love how the host also becomes the slave. I love how the leader also becomes the servant. I love how the first becomes the last. I love how the creator begins to serve his creation. And I want the church to know this, that if we're going to have an amazing, a powerful, a thrilling, and a, I mean, what an experience, 2017, I'm telling you right now that the only way 2017 will be a great year, it's a greatness is defined by the position of servant rather than the position of the one being served. You want to have an awesome 2017? Begin to wash people's feet and watch yourself have a good year. Watch yourself do it. Hey, take off your sandals. Hey, take off your shoes. Hey, take off your socks. I'm going to start washing your feet. I'm going to get between those toes. I'm going to take off those dirt. I'm going to take off the most filthiest thing in the human body during that time. And I'm going to do it because I want you to know that I see your need. And I'm here to serve you. And I really love you. And when I say I love you and I serve you, it's not just to fill a thing to-do list. It's because I mean it. And I don't just mean it with my words. I mean it with my actions. Take off your sandals. Let me wash your feet. You want to have a great 2017? Yes, I want to be great. Awesome. Take on the servanthood hat. Take on the robe of servant. Take on the attitude of slave. Jesus said in John 10, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up. I lay down my life for you so that you now could lay down your life for each other. Peter, you might not understand this now, but you're going to get it one day. You know when I think Peter got it? When, when the historians wrote about Peter's life and they said Peter was going to die and he was tortured and beaten, probably unrecognizable, just like Jesus. And they take him to his torturing device. And when he walks to it, it's a cross. And he looks at the cross, and he's walking towards it, and he says, first things first, put my cross upside down. Because I am not worthy of dying the death of my Savior. I'd rather be crucified upside down. And as he's walking to the cross, historians say that he began to sing a song to the cross. I don't know exactly the lyrics, but I could almost imagine, Oh, cross, how I love thee, oh, cross, how I long for you, oh, cross. Weird. He's singing to the cross, they said, because he saw it as an instrument 
that it was the same instrument that took his master's life. And if his master did it for him, the servant, then here he is now in the same role that Jesus played. And who am I not to do it so that others may know of this truth? And he took on the same role. He, he, Peter, one day you're going to understand this. I think the day that he saw his cross on the day of his execution and he began to sing songs of praise before his executioners and before the execution device, I think right then and there he remembered Jesus' words. Oh, one day, one day, one day you're going to remember this. So he serves Jesus on the cross. He serves Jesus and everyone there with his life because Jesus said, I lay my life. Peter can now say, I laid my life too. Can I give you the mic for a sec? Have you laid your life too? Have you laid your life too? 2017 is a year that we lay our lives. That we become great because we become servants. He says, John, how awkward, how awesome, how amazing, how interesting. What a perfect puzzle this is. Some 85 to 95 years after Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. It seems fitting that John would write this. Guys, John, the one, not John the Baptist, John the disciple, the very one that would rest his head on Jesus' bosom. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? John. Some 85 to 95 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Look what he writes. It's amazing because I, I truly see that he's, right, he's written this. Because he learned something from the master servant, or better said, from the servant leader who is Christ. And he was able now to live and speak these words to the church some 90 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. You ready for this? Put it on the screen. It's 1 John 3, 16, 17, and 18. Here it is. Watch this. John's words. Watch this. But this we know love. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Last verse. He says to the church, my little children. You know, John's older now. He's wiser now. He's got gray hairs now. He's probably a little bit balder now. He's had some experiences now. He's lived out everything that Jesus taught him on those days when he was, used to rest his head on Jesus' chest. And he tells the church, my children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but let us love in deed and in truth, in action, in action. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And love also means that we are to lay down our lives for each other. When you guys start fighting and bickering about things with your very own families and then with your very own selves, that stuff just does not make sense to me. Because the Bible teaches everything opposite of that. You serve each other. You love each other. You wash each other's feet. Jesus speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. He rebukes them for their lives because he says, your lives are like a fashion show. If you've ever studied the scripture, you know what I'm talking about. And he tells the scribes and the Pharisees, religious leaders, 
respected, powerful, authoritative leaders of Jesus' day, but religious nonetheless. He tells them this in Matthew 23, 11 and 12. He who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. Can you imagine this day? How did it really go down? Jesus says, hey, you guys are a big group of Pharisees and scribes, huh? I see all you guys wearing your badges. You guys are, are the big dogs around here. Everyone's scared of you. And they're like, yeah, I'm glad you recognized us. So which one of you is the, the highest ranking, the greatest? You, could, you know, like, they're like, and the, the guy was about to come out like I am. I'm the chief scribe. I'm the chief Pharisee. And Jesus just kind of puts a hold on them. And look what he tells them. Oh, okay, you're the greatest? I know if you're the greatest, if you first have learned to be a servant to all of them. Because the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself, that person will be exalted. Hey, 2017 is going to be a good year, guys. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 don't copy it. Don't copy it. I messed up. It's not going to be a good year. 2017 is going to be a great year, guys. Now you can clap. It's going to be a great year. My sentence wasn't over, though. Only if we take the position, the anointing of slave, of servant. Want to have a great year? Yeah. Awesome. Next Sunday, come to church. We have a position for you. You want to get involved in this church? You want to do great things? Let's start washing each other's feet. Let's do it. Let's wash each other's feet. You know what serving others does? Man, I feel an anointing in this place, man. Serving others, it fights pride in our lives. If you have ever found pride in your life, and if you ever come up to me and say, man, I feel like I have pride in my life. First off, if you have pride in life, you probably wouldn't even say that. But I feel like I have pride in my life. You know what the answer, you know what the remedy to your pride in your life is? Pick up a bucket and go wash. Go serve someone and you'll see that servanthood fights the pride in your life. So ready, watch this. If you know you have pride in your life, because you know you don't want to confess it right now, that's, that's an indicator that you have pride in your life. I'm going to give you a remedy for it, a cure for it. It's called servanthood. Can I get an amen? If you serve others, you know what else it destroys? It extinguishes hate. You have bitterness towards someone? Come on. Has it grown to hatred? I know God's speaking to someone. God says, the way I'm going to extinguish your hate is I'm going to teach you how to serve the one that you hate. Why should I? Because if I washed Judas' feet, you're going to wash their feet. You want to know? You want to know what else serving? I mean, I could go down the list. You know what else serving does? Serving releases tension. 
Hey, you've ever been in a gathering? How about a family gathering? Any tense families around here? No? All your families are okay. You want to see the tension break in your family? You want to see the tension break in your home? You want to see the tension break at your job? I promise you this. Try it. Begin to serve those people that the tension is with. And you'll see the chains of tension be broken off. I'm telling you that serving will release the tension, the bondage of tension that you constantly continue to walk in. Serve the tension and you'll watch the tension break. I'll keep going. You know what else serving does? It gives hope. It gives hope to another person who lost hope for a moment in their lives. Come on, I'm being honest here. You've ever been with someone? Yadi's like my sister, so I could do this. You ever been with someone? And they begin to open up about their lives? They begin to talk to you about some real struggles? They begin to talk to you about some real life issues that they're going through? And you're just there with them along the ride. And you just learn to serve this person. And then out of nowhere, this person right here, because of your servanthood to her, to him, to them, now causes her to start to believe in herself. It causes her now to have a hope that she was living for so many years without. I promise you, I promise you, oh my God, the pastor kissed a girl while he was preaching. <laughs> I saw that one coming. All right, but I promise you, if you serve, it gives hope when the last thing that that person has is hope. I promise you, serve. And people will begin to have hope again in their lives. You want to know what else service and your servanthood, your slavery towards others does? I'm going to talk about you for a moment. It will begin to fill you with what you're looking for. Come on, what are you guys really looking for? What are you guys really looking for? Because I know some people that have had children and then they're miserable with their children. I know people that have got a group, they had a spouse, now they're miserable with their spouse. I know people that they got the job and now they're miserable with their job because what happens was the joy was not in their spouse. The joy was not in their children. The job was not in the, jo the joy, joy was not in the job. The joy was not in the money. The joy was not in the new car. And, and, and then they're like, wait a minute, but I, but I got married and I had a kid and I got the job and I got the money and I thought everything that joy was going to give me, I thought it was going to happen to me, but yet I still have no joy. You want to know something? You want to know what real joy brings? Where it comes? I promise you that when you begin to serve others and you see them begin to smile because of your service to them, you'll start to feel the joy in your life begin to grow. And then you'll recognize, I've been called. I've been called to serve. Serve people. And then you'll recognize that when I serve people is when I find real joy and happiness. So a friend of mine once told me, when I do mission work, there is where I find that I'm the happiest, the most joyful. Well, you want to know why? Because every single second, every single day, you're just giving and serving and serving and serving and serving. You know what else servanthood does? Like I just said, how many of you have ever said this? I want to find God's call in my life. And you've been wrestling and you've been crying and you've been fighting because you don't know what God's call is in your life. Well, I promise you that if you begin to serve your servanthood will lead you to find your calling in your life. I promise you that. It'll just flow because this is the thing. How will Christ ever reveal your calling if you first have not taken the role of servant? If you're too big to lead, you're too small to lead. 
If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. You know what else service does? It makes you aware automatically of others' needs. What else does service do? Here it is, guys. I saved this one for last because I wrote this down and I want to make sure I share this one. When you serve others, it demonstrates the love of Christ. And that's the most important thing. So I end with this. Jesus tells a story. And he says, there was a Jewish man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits and they stripped him from his clothes. They beat him up and they left him dead beside the road. And a priest came along and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and he passed him by. But then a Levite, a temple assistant, a Levite walked over and he looked at the man lying there and he also passed by on the other side. But then a despised Samaritan, he came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil, wine, bandaged them and he put the man on his own donkey. He took him to a hotel in whatever you want to call it, where he took care of him and the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins and he says, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'm going to pay you the next time I'm here. And Jesus asked them, well, which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And the man that were there, the audience replied, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now you go and you do the same and show mercy. You go and you do the same, you serve. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said about this passage. He says this. The first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question. And he said, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to me? What will happen to me? I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison. And you didn't visit me. I was hungry. And you didn't feed me. The question is, if I don't stop to serve, who's the one that really loses out? The servant. The slave. I lose out when I'm too big to serve. I lose out. Martin Luther King goes on to say this, everyone has the power for greatness because greatness is determined by service. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're done. <clears throat> Sorry if I took too long, but I felt God was speaking to us today. But church, let's be great. Church, let's serve. Is the hype team leaving already? Marty, tell the hype team, they could, they could just chill in here for a little bit. Change it up a little bit today. That's cool, right? You could do that. Let's be great. Let's serve. Let's be a slave to all. But what does this mean? Let's place all of our interest aside for the interest, for the need of others. Let's live in the anointing that is found in the position of servant. Let's not long for the position to be served. And church, I promise you 2017 is going to be a great year. Let's be great. Let's serve. 
that your arms reach farther than they ever have. Let your sweat drip more intensely than it ever has. Let's serve greater than ever. Let's be great. And we're going to believe that God has an amazing, great year. This is what I want to do. We're going to just worship real quick. Let's sing one song, whatever. But as Tito begins to sing there, right there, just open up your heart. Right there where you're at, just say, Lord, I know you spoke to me today. I know I, I needed to hear this word to start off the year. You know, God, you could have spoken any other word to us. You could have, you could have said, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans to prosper you. There are plans to give you hope and a future. But today, Lord, you, you, man, you spoke a, a different word to us. Today, Lord God, you, you could have said so many different things. But today, Lord, you, you really got down to, to the root of it all. That if I want to be great and I want to experience greatness. And if I want to live in the greatness that the Lord has for me. I must first recognize that I got to catch and I got to take on the position of serving. So if there's anyone here and God has really just erupted something in your heart, man, take it. If that's you and you need prayer and, and you just want someone to get alongside of you and pray for you, man, you could come up. I'll, I'll get right next to you and I'll pray with you. But if you don't want to come up and you're just right there and you're weeping and you're just... Lift up your hands and lift up your voices to the Lord and begin, allow him to begin to do this in you. And say, Lord, I want to walk out of here. I want to walk out of here in greatness. Because I recognize that to dress in greatness is to dress in the robes of a servant. So Lord, give me my robes. Give me my clothing. I take the mantle, I take the anointing of being a slave so that others could be blessed. So if this is for you, take it. Let's spend some time in worship and let God deal with our hearts before we close off and before we settle. Go ahead. Evaluate your life and seek Him.